Hey podcast and welcome to another episode of the MTB Fitness Podcast. Now today I'm going to be doing a Q&A. I asked on Instagram what are some of the biggest struggles you guys and girls struggle with and I got an absolute influx of questions so I'm going to be going through those one to one today. There's some really really good questions in there. Um, first of all someone's asked me for a review of my bike so I'll do a brief one of those to start. Um, just picking out some of the questions now. How do you keep to a nutritional program and know what to eat and when? That's one thing I'm going to be answering. What's the best protein drink if you have a lactose intolerance? That's another one. Um, how do you get to be able to deadlift 1.5 times your body weight? How to create a routine and a routineless life? And let's pick one more. What is the difference between motivation and discipline? So it's going to be a really interesting episode today. So first of all, I suppose I should address why there's not been a podcast for the last couple of months. It's for a good reason. So I essentially have limited amounts of time that I can spend when I'm not doing Facebook and Instagram posts and what I've been doing for the last couple of months is updating every single video in the 12 week training program. So, sorry, I just bashed the mic there. If I, if I give you a start, I apologize. So what I've been doing for the last couple of months with Ben from Kickrocks Creations, which is a videography company, is I've been filming every single exercise throughout the 12-week program and going through a process of updating every single one of those videos. Now, as you can imagine, there's about 160 exercises in the, um, in the program. So it's been an absolute epic job to get all those filmed edited uh, and uploaded so that's basically where the podcast time has been spent so instead of doing the podcast the time has been spent in the gym with Ben doing six seven hours of filming just trying to get all these exercise videos in so for those of you who follow the 12-week program at the minute you'll know that the videos are kind of just demos of me doing it with no sound now the new videos that are going to be free of charge to everybody who's already bought the program and everybody obviously who buys it in future the new videos uh, really detailed essentially videos where I talk to the camera and go through technique so each video is one minute to four minutes depending on the exercise and I just talk about the main things that you need to focus on so those videos are now all filmed all edited and they're all on my computer about like I say about 160 of them and I'm now going through the process of uploading them all onto the private YouTube links and linking them up so it shouldn't be long really I imagine a week maybe 10 days to be honest it's all down to um, how long they take to upload they're quite big files every video so they take forever to upload to YouTube but every day whenever I'm like not on my laptop I'm essentially just setting them to upload but I would predict a week 10 days something like that and then the new videos will be out there and then my aim now is to really keep consistent with the podcast and get an episode out every week because I really love enjoying it I think it's a great way to go into detail on topics that I chat about on my Facebook, on my Instagram, on my daily emails, but just don't get a chance to sort of in, in a short Facebook post. So it's something that I'm mega keen to carry on doing. I love doing the podcast and I know loads of you get a ton of value from it, but I just kind of had to pick over the last couple of months. Do I want to update all the videos or do I want to do the podcast? That may be an excuse, but hey-ho. <laughs> so... Let's get into today's episode. I'm going to be going through all the questions one by one. It feels brilliant to be back. Thanks so much for sticking around and waiting it out. And yeah, let's dive in and get answering some questions. All right, question time. 
So first of all, loads of people have been asking me about how I'm finding my new bike. So I used to have a Yeti SB6. So I've had that for the last, or I had that for I think about 18 months, something like that. And now I've upgraded to a custom built SB150. So the SB150 is roughly the same travel at the back, about 150 mil, or it is 150 mil. I think the SB6 was 153 mil, I think. This is 150 mil. And up front, it's got 170 mil travel instead of 160 on the SB6. But it's also a 29er, so I've gone to 29 instead of 27 and a half. So I've now, I'm not sure on the exact mileage I've done. I think I've had it since about November. So I've done quite a lot of rides on it anyway. And in short, I'm absolutely loving it. So I'm used to, my SB6 was my only bike. I should probably start with that. So I'm used to having kind of an enduro bike that isn't the absolute best climber in the world, etc. Um, no, I haven't got a cross-country bike that I rip like, you know, the rest of the time. So that should probably be said. So this SB150 is now my one bike as well. It's the only bike I ride, uh, only bike I have. And I'm absolutely loving it. It climbs better than the SB6. I think it's got a steeper seat angle which means that it pedals it, it unless you've been on a bike that if, when you've gone from a slack seat angle to a steep seat angle you won't necessarily know what i'm on about like i read it was better but when you get on the bike you basically find that your bum is more over the pedals than it used to be you're not as reclined on it and that means it it it's a lot easier to put power down through the pedals the 29 inch wheels i'm absolutely loving so going from 27 and a half inch wheels to 29 they're so much better, they really are, in my opinion. Like, they roll over everything so much better. You, you keep your momentum much better. Um, I, I just love them. The one thing I was kind of nervous about with 29-inch wheels was going to be cornering. So, in the corners, I was kind of expecting them to be a bit more sluggish and a bit harder to get around the corners, but they're just not. I think part of the reason that I'm finding that they're not is because the SB150 has a shorter offset on the fork. So that makes a difference. And as well, I've gone from running Hope um, alloy wheels up to Envy carbon rims. So there's quite a big weight difference there as well. And you can really notice the weight difference. So I think the fact that it's got a shorter offset and I've gone from alloy to carbon rims has probably made the front end feel that bit livelier. So it's not felt sluggish in the corners. I think unless I was able to ride an SB150 with alloy wheels, I kind of wouldn't be able to confirm that. Now, I might find that if I was to jump back on my SB6, it'd feel really lively and I'd feel like the front end would just flick around really easily. But I've, I've not found it hard on switch bats, on anything really. And downstairs, downstairs, down, not downstairs, um, downhills, it's just an absolute monster. It just trucks through everything. Um, but it's a, it's a fantastic bike. I absolutely love it. I'm kind of still going through the process of getting everything dialed in but it is absolutely awesome. I'd say the only one downside is that I bought... So when I bought the Envy wheels, I wanted to get the Chris King hubs, and at the time, you couldn't get a Chris King micro spline, which is what the Shimano 1x12 cassette basically hooks onto. You couldn't get that. So they were bringing one out in January, or they brought one out in January, a micro spline ray hub so what i did was i got a sort of um, aftermarket cassette if you like it's an e13 cassette so it says that it works with shimano 1x12 but ozzy who i ride with has got the full shimano xtr 1x12 including the cassette and the one i'm running at the minute is exactly the same as his but i have the e13 cassette on the back and it definitely definitely doesn't shift anywhere near as well as this so we can click at the same time and this is a really smooth really quiet change and mine kind of clunks up and down a little bit so the only thing i can say is that 
the 13 cassette on there definitely isn't as good as having an actual Shimano XTR cassette on it. But all I'm going to do is I'm going to ride it for probably another month or two. And then I've already got the XTR cassette. I got it when I bought the bike or when I bought all the components, I should say. So what I'm going to do is order a micro spline uh, free hub from Saddleback and then put that XTR one when we get kind of to the end of the winter and into the better weather. So that should shift better. But overall, I absolutely love the bike and I really can't see a reason for me going back to 27 and a half. Um, I don't jump. I've never learned to jump. There's no jumps near me. So that's not an issue. I don't spend loads of time in the air. I know for those of you who are really good at jumps, I know a 27 and a half inch bike is meant to be better but i spend all my time on the ground <laughs> like bunny hopping over obstacles is pretty much the amount of air time that i get so that really isn't an issue for me and um, but i really love getting fitter pushing myself to go faster downhill uh, it's, it's just a better all bike all around really i absolutely love it uh, and i'm really enjoying carbon rims as well so i was a bit nervous that the carbon rims would be quite hard into rocks and you'd really feel a lot of vibration through the trail. I'm not finding it at all. Now, the carbon handlebars I had on my SB6 were race face with, I think is it 35mm diameter, the thicker one, uh, race face carbon bars. And I found those really hard, as in they transferred a lot of trail chatter through to my hands. So now I'm running the NV m6 bars which i forget the exact diameter is it 31.9 basically the thin thinner diameter i can't remember the number um and i'm finding there's less trail chatter with the carbon rims and these carbon bars than there was on my sb6 with the race face carbon bars and the alloy wheels so one thing i really was expecting was just to feel absolutely everything kind of in a negative way and i don't like it feels just as comfortable as it did on my sb6 maybe a little bit more comfortable um so yeah overall absolutely loving the bike it's a monster it's a machine it looks beautiful so yeah i'm just loving it so I, there, there's literally no other bike that i'd rather have right now i get all my bikes um at cost from various distributors silverfish saddleback um, so, really, I'll probably like could do with getting a new bike every year because I can sell it pretty much for what I got it for, if that makes sense, and then buy a new bike each year. But at the moment, if I do end up buying a new bike kind of later in this year and selling this one, I'll just be buying the same bike again because there isn't anything else that I'd rather have right now. I absolutely love it. And the only thing that I would want would be maybe a smaller travel bike as well as the SB6, something like a Yeti SB100, for example. And then when I'm going doing... The trails around me, sort of near my front door, aren't that technical. They're quite chilled out, quite mellow, nothing really steep, no massive rocks or anything like that. And I have to ride for about half an hour to get to the really steep techie stuff. So probably the one thing that I would like would be a short travel, more cross-country slash trail bike to use when I'm not doing the the proper downhill stuff, if that makes sense. But overall, absolutely love the bike. So if you're thinking of getting a Yeti SB150, I can highly, highly recommend it. Right, so that was the review of my bike. Now let's get into kind of the normal questions. We've got quite a few here. Let's have a look. Three, six, nine, 12 questions I'm going to be answering. So I'm just going to go through them one by one and give you the best answer that I can give you. So first of all, how do you keep to a nutritional program and know what to eat and when? So, this is a huge question. <laughs> uh, first of all, I'd probably say go back and listen to some of the episodes that I've had with um, 
with other people talking about nutrition. So Ben Coomber would be a good episode of the podcast to go back and listen to. I'd say secondly, 100% buy my nutrition guide. It's available on the website, mtb.fitness. It's £17.50. Um, just Google £17.50 into your currency if you want to know what that is in your country, if you're not in the UK. Um, but it's £17.50, so it's really cheap. And I literally go into detail of what the vast majority of people or the vast majority of mountain bikers should be eating. I talk about what you should eat day to day, what you should eat before, during and after rides, how to recover well on the bike with your nutrition, everything really. So I'd say to answer that question in as much detail as I can, just buy the nutrition guide and read that because that will answer all of your questions essentially. Um, to give you some answers now, how do you keep to a nutritional program and know what to eat and when? So I think first of all, you need to plan. So you need to actually know what you're eating, when and why. So you need to look at your day-to-day -day in advance and you need to say, right, I'm able to eat at this time, this time, this time, this time, and here's what I want to eat in those gaps. So you need to sort of plan ahead and know what you're eating. So to take my day as an example, I went for a ride first thing this morning, about eight, nine o'clock. So I woke up and I just had a coffee and a bowl of muesli. Then I went on my ride. Then when I got back from my ride, I had a protein shake and a hot cross bun. Love hot cross buns and now it's Easter. <laughs> You've got to get them. Or now Easter's sort of coming up in a few months are available. Um, so I had a protein shake and a hot cross bun sort of straight away after my ride. I did about a 90-minute ride. Didn't eat anything while I was riding today. And then after that, about 40 minutes after that, I had some scrambled eggs with some low-sugar beans and some cheese tomatoes and spinach so scrambled egg beans and cheese basically with some veggies in there then later on i've been doing hello fresh recently so i think it's available in the us and other countries as well as the uk but we just decided to sign up and i'm absolutely loving it so essentially they send you hello fresh send you a few meals depending on how many meals you want for the week you can decide they send you some pre-packaged meals or pre-packaged ingredients i should say where absolutely everything is ready for you and then you just cook them so for me i've been choosing healthy meals and cooking one and then you get two meals in a pack in the ones that i'm doing so i've been eating one meal straight away and then saving the next one for the next day so i've got a hello fresh later on that i ate last night and then later on tonight, I'm going to be cooking another HelloFresh and then that will be my meal for tomorrow, if that makes sense. So essentially, what I'm, what I'm getting out with that is it's all about preparation and knowing what you're going to eat and well. That's the biggest, biggest point when it comes to sticking to a nutritional program, like just preparation. So if I said to you right now, what are you going to eat tomorrow? You should be able to answer it without thinking that much. Like if I think ahead to tomorrow quite easy for me to come up with pretty much exactly what I'm going to be eating tomorrow or at least I'll know a rough idea of I'm having protein and veg at this time and I'm having eggs and da 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 at this time. If you ask that question to yourself and you're like, um, no idea, probably go to Greg's for lunch, then you're probably not on the right track. You need to get a bit more of a plan. Um, it also says know what to eat and when. So it's such a detailed, detailed thing to go into this. But overall, you want to be eating protein, veg, and a small amount of carbs at each meal. So that could be a chicken salad with a sweet potato on the side, for example. It could be salmon with broccoli and some rice. Really boring meals I'm coming up with there, but you get the idea. Um, essentially, you just want protein, one to two fistfuls of protein at each meal. You want to have a big portion of veg with it, two, three portions of veg, and you want to be having an amount of carbs with it as well. 
So generally, for most people, that's what you want to be eating three, possibly four times a day. Like that's just a solid diet, typical food. There's nothing absolutely crazy. You really, in my opinion, unless you're super advanced and you're mega keen and you're probably not asking this kind of sort of basic question, you don't want to be looking at going keto or sticking to a really rigorous kind of uh, restrictive diet. You just need to eat a good healthy diet and you'll see results with it. So that's how you keep to a nutritional program and know what to eat and when. Again, with that one, really do just go on the website and buy the nutrition guide because it will answer everything you need to know about it. And if it doesn't, drop me an email and then I'll answer anything else you want to know. Next question. How long should it take to recover from a big ride or weight session and how can you make this better? So this is something that I've kind of been... Um, that's been on my mind for the last few days, I could say. So your DOMS, delayed onset of muscular soreness, is essentially the soreness that you get in your muscles after a workout or a ride. Now, it's absolutely fine to train or ride with DOMS. So if you do legs on a Monday and then you wait in the gym and then you wake up on Tuesday and your legs are absolutely killing, they're sore, you're achy, you're really struggling to move around, it's still okay to go for a ride. As long as you warm up, as long as you build into it gradually, you're not going to do yourself any harm. All that's going to happen is over about 10, 20 minutes, your legs are going to start easing up, they're going to start relaxing, and then you're going to feel okay again. So the, it's a bit of a misconception that between workouts and between rides, you have to wait for all your aches and pains, and all your dumbs, I should sort of say, not I don't mean knee pain and things like that with this. I mean muscular doms that you have to wait for that to go away. You really don't. You just want to look at it as a bit of a broader picture. So my routine at the moment is I'm training slash riding every day, Monday to Friday. And then I'm resting Saturday and Sunday. So for me, I'm doing two rides. One of those has got some intervals in. And then I'm doing three weight sessions. So two rides, one with intervals and three weight sessions a week that's monday to friday and then saturday and sunday i'm resting so what this means is that as the week builds up i get progressively more and more tired more and more achy more and more weak and then as i end friday that last session i give it my all i'm doing legs in the minute on a friday legs and arms i think legs arms think is the session that I'm doing at the moment on a uh, Friday and then that's me done for the week and my legs are absolutely shot by that point and I'm knackered but then I rest Saturday Sunday so what I mean by that is that I'm building up through the week and I'm tiring myself out each and every day so by the time I get to Friday I'm knackered then I recover Saturday Sunday and then I start again on Monday and I feel fine by Monday Um, that kind of leads into the next part of this question so how can you make it better? So how can you make your recovery time better? And um, First of all, I've not actually answered the first bit. How long should it take to recover from a big ride or weight session? It's completely personal. A 20-year-old elite athlete will probably take about a day to recover, maybe half a day to recover from a, a ride or weight session. Um, a 60-year-old is going to take that bit longer. The body's going to recover that bit slower. So you do need to listen to your body. You do need to be aware of it and make sure you're not doing any damage. But if it's just muscular soreness, if it's just DOMS, most people listening to this can just push through it and crack on as long as you factor in a day or two of rest in there. Um, the other side of it is how well you're sleeping. So that has a big effect on your recovery. So you need to make sure that you're sleeping for six to eight hours a night and you want good quality sleep. 
That's really important. You want to make sure your sleep is good quality. You want to make sure you've got a really good diet. Going back to that last question that we just answered. So three to four meals a day. You want to be eating anywhere from one gram to 1.6 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So if you weigh 100 kilos, you're going to be eating 100 grams to 160 grams of protein a day. So that's really important and making sure you're getting enough calories in there. And then, yeah, just taking rest days in between your workouts. Sleep and nutrition are the biggest things for recovery. And then on top of that, you can do things like going in the sauna, doing a sauna and cold plunge pool alternation. So you do 10 minutes in the sauna, sit in a cold plunge pool for a minute, 10 minutes in a sauna, sit in a cold plunge pool for a minute. Or as I do, because I don't have a plunge pool like the gym, I do sauna, cold shower, sauna, cold shower. That can help recover it, but you're not talking working miracles there. You're just talking it can help you improve. Um, So yeah, that's how long it should take to recover. It's personal and how you can make it better. Next question. Any advice on where to go to maintain slash retune my mountain bike myself? I'm horrific at this, <laughs> as you probably know. So I'm doing a load of PT clients each week and running MTB Fitness. Um, I run MTB Fitness full time and then two and a half days a week I do my clients. I still have some one-to-one clients that I work with in the gym. So most days are 7, 8 a.m. till 7, 8 p.m., something like that, Monday to Saturday. Uh, well, Monday to Friday, I'd say I work from about 7.30, 8 a.m. till 7, 8 p.m. at night with a ride thrown in there and a little bit of chill time to have a coffee and that kind of thing. Um, and then on a Saturday, I tend to work until about lunchtime. Then I have Saturday afternoon and Sunday off. So for me, that's the only time I get. So the reason I say that, I love going off on a tangent, don't I? <laughs> the reason I say that is for me, I'm not that bothered about learning to maintain my bike myself because it will just eat into the t- the little time that I have with Sophie. If I was to maintain my bike myself, I would be doing it at 8pm, 9pm at night or I'll be doing it on a weekend. Um, so yeah. The question isn't even asking about me, though, so I really am just going off on a tangent there. <laughs> uh, so any advice on where to go to maintain or retune your mountain bike yourself? Yes. So I'd say a couple of things. First of all, go on GMBN, Global Mountain Bike Network, because they have tons of great videos on there. You can learn the basics on there. Um, I'm sure there are other people on YouTube. If you're listening to this and you can think of someone that's not GMBN that teaches how to maintain your bike that yourself, post it up in the Facebook group, the MTB Fitness Facebook group, and then other people can see there. Um, the other thing I'd say to do, oh, I've got another one for you. Dialed a YouTube series by Fox. I'm pretty sure it's by Fox. Yeah, I think it is. Dialed by Fox on YouTube. And that basically follows the mechanics at Fox around the World Cup downhill scene. And it shows them tweaking the rider's suspension. You can learn an absolute ton from that. So watch the full series of Dialed by Fox on YouTube. And then the other thing I would do is I would just approach your local mechanic. So Ozzy, my best mate, is riding to Turkey in... I think about 10 weeks, 9 weeks, something like that. And he's going to take 6 weeks to do it. He's doing it with one of his clients. Now, he's just approached our local mechanic, Bicanix, Steve at Bicanix, just down the road from me. And he's paying him his hourly mechanic rate. And Steve is going to teach him anything he wants to know. So simple things like how to replace a chain and all that sort of stuff. Um, right, you know, the basic things like that, how to replace your derailleur, all that kind of thing. Right down to the more complicated things like bleeding brakes, doing 
all those their various different bits of mechanical work. So what I would say is just go into your local bike shop and then speak to the bike owner. Tell them that you want to learn how to do it yourself and pay them and they'll show you. And you can actually find like organized mechanic lessons, if you like, as well, that you can take. If you Google those or ask in Facebook groups around your local area, I'm sure you'll be able to find some. So YouTube and then speak to your mechanic and see what he can say, what he or she can say, because I'm sure they'll be happy to help you out. What's the best protein drink if you have a lacto lactose intolerance? Um, any of them, to be honest. Obviously not a whey drink, but I'm sure you know that. You don't want a whey protein drink. You can go for soy if you like. You can go for kind of an oat-based protein drink. doesn't really matter. Um, you, you're going to be getting... One of the downsides to only eating veg for your protein, if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, for example, is you don't get the full range of amino acids that you get if you're having animal protein and I'm sure you don't need to get in touch with me if you're a vegan or a vegetarian to prove me wrong but if you're not eating animal sources of protein you don't get the full range of amino acids that you get from animal sources however you've said that you're lactose intolerant not a vegetarian or a vegan so what I would say is that it doesn't really matter what protein drink you have because the rest of the time you're going to be eating meat you're going to be eating eggs you're going to be having that kind of stuff so you're going to get the full range of amino acids anyway so i'd just say go for the one you enjoy i believe that ben coomba awesome supplements i believe that his company sorry awesome supplements have a vegan protein drink which is meant to taste really good because one of the downsides to the the lacto-free protein shakes is that i don't think they generally taste that great so feel free to check out that one see how you find it um yeah that'll be the answer to that one all right, we're nearly halfway. How to get back into training after your training partner has left the country. Uh, that sucks. I would honestly say just kind of set a goal and crack on with it. Like it is sad that you can't train with your training partner, but there's no point sitting around and kind of crying about it and feeling sorry for yourself. Like just get your gear on, get on your bike and go for a ride get to the gym, put your headphones on and train on your own. Like you're not reliant on anybody else to improve your own fitness. It's up to you to do it. So yes, training with other people absolutely helps. Absolutely helps your motivation. It helps hold you accountable. But ultimately, you need to be accountable to yourself. So there's going to I'm sure when you had a training partner, there was days when your training partner was sick. Did you stay at home or did you go to the gym anyway? Did you stay at home or did you go and ride anyway? Um you've got to hold yourself accountable to it. So that's the first part of it. You can't rely on anybody else to sort of make you get fit and healthy. It's got to be up to you to do it. But the other side of it is if your training partner's out of the country and you can't train with him, he's obviously left the country, get a new training partner. So I met Ozzy, my best mate, in the gym. And it was literally just I was training, he was training. We got chatting. Uh, we knew each other very loosely from school, like obviously a while ago. I'm not that young. <laughs> um... And then we just sort of ended up becoming mates, ended up training together, and that was that. So just chat to people in the gym. You'll probably see the one or two people in the gym that train harder than anybody else. Ask them if you can train with them um, and just say, look, you don't want to stand around and talk and you want to be keen and you want to smash it and train with them. Maybe get a personal trainer either so you've got somebody to train you. That'd be another option. Um, yeah, but overall, my answer to that is hold yourself accountable. Don't rely on anybody else. How do you get to be able to deadlift one and a half times your body weight? So 
the the reason that this question is getting asked in the first place for um, I imagine is because a sort of typical recommendation for a deadlift a good deadlift is to be able to deadlift one and a half times or two times your body weight so the way that you get to be able to deadlift one and a half times your body weight is essentially mainly just through deadlifting so first of all you want to learn good technique for your deadlift so make sure that you nail your technique first you don't want to be lifting really heavy if you're rounding your back if you don't know about squeezing your shoulders together and engaging your lats if you feel it's all in your lower back and it's not much glutes if you if you're essentially not 100% certain you're doing a deadlift right learn how to do it properly first before you try to go really heavy um, then how do you build up? Let's assume that you can currently deadlift your body weight. So for easy numbers, let's say you're currently a 100 kilo deadlift and you want to get to an 150 kilo deadlift because you weigh 100 kilos. Um, the way that you would do it, I would probably say deadlift a couple of times a week. Only do low reps. So you want to be doing between one to five reps maybe uh, five fives would be a good thing so that's when you do five sets of five reps on deadlift um, you could maybe do five sets of five for one month then the next month do six sets of three reps and then the month after that you can try wave loading which is where you do three reps on the first set then two reps on the second set then one then three reps, then two reps, then one rep, then three reps, then two reps, then one rep. Um, just Google wave loading if you want to look into that. But you need to kind of have a consistent plan where you stick to a same plan for roughly four weeks for a strength training plan. So you do four weeks of doing the same kind of plan and then four weeks with a progression of that and then another four weeks with a progression of that and so on. Only doing low reps, really, under five reps if you want to build strength. You don't want to be going any higher than that. And then I'd also work on the other exercises that will build the muscles up that are going to benefit your deadlift. So deadlift is mainly glutes, hamstrings, lower back. So what you want to look at doing is also doing squats, lunges, back extensions, Romanian deadlifts, glute thrusts, core work, upper body work, grip work, chin-ups. Essentially, all exercises that will build the other muscles so you have the deadlift as the main sort of focus for your workout. And then after that, you then do all your other exercises as well. So the only other thing I've not said there is essentially you just want to build up week by week. So even if you only add two kilos to the bar each week, try and add a little bit more. So if you're doing, if you can currently do 100 kilos for one on a deadlift, then let's say you can do 90 kilos for five reps on a deadlift. So in week one, you do five sets of five reps at 90 kilos. Then in week two, you do five sets at five reps at 92.5 kilos. Then the week after at 95, then 97.5. And you essentially just build it up over time. It's called progressive overload. So you know that you want to get to 150 kilos. You just add a little bit of weight to the bar step by step by step. And I'd probably say on a monthly basis, retest your one rep max. So there you go. That is how you get to be able to deadlift one and a half times your body weight. I would say with that as well, sleep and nutrition and recovery are hugely important as a part of that. So if you don't recover well, if you don't eat well, you ain't going to get to that deadlift. Um, next one. Best way to increase the distance of rides from 10 or 12 miles up all the way to all day 20 or 30 mile rides. So this person is basically can ride 10 or 12 miles at the minute, wants to build up to doing 20 or 30 miles. Um, so 
you want to look at consistently building up the distance that you're doing. So if this week you do 10 miles, the week after do 11 miles, the week after do 12 miles, the week after do 13 miles, um, you know, build up each week by one to three miles. Like no matter how tired you are, you can always ride an extra mile or two. You're probably not absolutely knackered when you've done that 12 miles. You're just kind of tired. I'm sure like, you know, you might be really tired, but you could probably do another mile. I'm sure you could do an extra mile. So build it up. Um, weight train. So I'll tell you that the, the absolute perfect thing I'd say for a person who wants to go from 10 or 12 miles up to 20 or 30 miles would be to do my 12-week program plus riding. So I'd probably say do weight sessions three times a week followed by two interval sessions. Um, so one training session or one day would be just a weight session. Then the other two days of training would be a weight session followed by an interval session. And then that can hopefully leave you with a couple of days to ride. And on those rides, that's where you're looking at improving the distance. So that's where you're trying to do 13 miles, then 15 miles, and so on and so forth, and building it up. But the aim, it ultimately, it to, to ride any kind of distance is just to build up bit by bit by bit by bit by bit and just do a little bit more every week while supplementing it with interval work and weight work as well. My 12-week program and the 16-week program will be ideal for that. MTB.fitness. <laughs> Get on it. Uh, next one. How to create a routine and a routineless life. So I recognize this question. It's come from Andy um, Andy Kemp, who's in the Facebook group. And I think he's Andy TK something or other on Instagram. Um, he's on Facebook. You'll, you'll probably recognize Andy Kemp from the Facebook group if you're a, a consistent member in there, if you like. So he works on the road a lot. So he doesn't get chance to kind of just have a nine till five, Monday to Friday and have a strict routine. So the answer of how to create a routine in a routineless life is to do it day by day. So each day you sit down the day before and you look at the next day and you plan where you're at. If you know that you're going away with work for four days, you sit down on the Monday before you go and you plan the next four days. So you say, right, I'm going to be at this hotel so I can train at 9 p.m. I'm going to be this place at this time. I can train in the morning. Da, 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 da. You just have to take it step by step and plan around it and just plan on what you can do and what you do know. So, yeah, it's a routineless life, but you have mini routines probably, you know, even if they only last two days at a time. So, you just need to have the consistent... You need to look day to day and say, right, here's when I'm going to train and just plan it in and get it in. And the other side of it with your nutrition is even though you're probably eating in loads of different restaurants, you can have an aim of what you're aiming to eat. So if you know you want to go for something that is healthy and it's protein, veg with a little bit of carb, you can assess the menu and you can say, right, I'm going to have the salmon with veg and I'm going to have it with sweet potato mash on the side instead of the fries, for example. You can order off the menu as well. Don't be afraid to ask your waiter. So you know roughly what you need to be eating. So you can eat well wherever you go, even if you're eating at restaurants and you're having sort of the breakfast at the hotel. So that's how you create a routine in a routineless life. You break it down and you just do it a day at a time or, you know, one to three days in advance. Plan. Right, last four questions. How to train and ride around a shift pattern, four on and four off, for example. Um, you could, I've never done shift work, so if it's an option to train before you start a shift, you can do that. So I understand that after a 12-hour shift, it's probably unlikely you're going to want to go to the gym after that, but you might be more likely to get up an hour earlier and train before the shift starts. 
if that's an absolute no-go, then just train for four days on your off days and then don't train for four days and then train for four days on your off days and then don't train when you're on shift. Um, just make it work for you. You've, if that's all you can do, then that's all you can do. You can probably double up on those off days and do a workout in the morning and a ride in the evening if you want. But everybody's different. You've got to make your routine work for you. Um, that's that really. If all you can do is train four days off, four days when you're off work, then that's all you can do. Just make sure that what you are doing in that time is getting you great results and you're absolutely sticking to it and smashing it. Um, what is the difference between motivation and discipline? This is from Ozzy. I recognize it because we were talking about this. Um, so the difference between motivation and discipline, I think that motivation comes and goes. Discipline is is something that you just need to have every day. So sometimes you're going to feel really motivated. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you're getting a little bit fired up, you're getting a little bit motivated, you're wanting to eat better, you're wanting to train, you're starting to feel motivated and you're having a feeling of motivation. That's brilliant and that gets you going and that kind of keeps you going if you keep stoking that fire and getting yourself motivated every day. But discipline is when you do something even when you really cannot be bothered. You know, you're tired, you really want that chocolate bar, you've had a long day at work, you want the hamburger, you want the chocolate bar, you do not want to cook a salad, but discipline means that you do it anyway and you stick to it. So discipline, I suppose, is kind of holding, is part of discipline is holding yourself to a higher standard and holding yourself accountable and kind of being like, here's what I've committed to do, doing, so here's what I'm going to do motivation is a part of that process but you can't always rely on motivation you're not always going to want to go to the gym you're not always wanting to go go you're not always going to want to do intervals you're not always going to want to go for a ride but discipline will mean that you get out and you do those things even when you don't have to so motivation is great but you can't rely on it for everything you need to have discipline in your life as well boom uh, two questions left and then we are done for this episode of the podcast. Um, I'm doing things right but not seeing it on the scales. What should I do? Right, so I presume you're trying to lose weight and you're not seeing it on the scales. First of all, don't rely on the scales only. So you need to measure yourself. So I'd say measure wherever you store the fat. So if you're a guy, you're probably storing that fat around your belly. So measure your belly, that'd be a big one. So every week when you get on the scales, measure your belly button. Uh, if you're a lady, you might be storing it around your boobs, around your upper back, around your lower back and your love handles, maybe around your belly, maybe around your hips. Uh, guys in general tend to store it kind of like in an apple, like in the middle around the stomach. Women can be a bit more hips, maybe upper back, maybe your lower back around there, so that'd be love handle area. So what I would say is wherever you're trying to lose fat from, measure that area with a tape measure and only measure yourself once a week. And the reason for that is that weight isn't reliable. You might be building muscle and losing fat. So you are getting in better shape, but the scale doesn't show it. Um, so make sure you measure yourself with a tape measure and only do it weight and tape measure once a week. No more. No more than once a week because it takes that long to see results. And then what I would say is that if you're not seeing results and you're doing that, you're just not doing the right thing. So you're either not training right or more likely you're not eating right. So grab the nutrition guide. <laughs> There's another plug. Um, but track your calories and see how much you're eating. So if you're eating 2,000 calories a day at the moment and you're not losing weight or body fat, 
drop that down to 1800 calories and you can do that just uh, my fitness pal it's a free app that you can download i think under armor bought them out uh, it's available on the app store and whatever your phone app store is um download my fitness pal track your food for a week see your results from doing that and then drop your calories if you need to so that you can lose more weight so if you currently ignore the recommendation it gives you it'll give you a recommendation ignore that just look at what you're currently eating if it's 2,000 calories a day, drop it 10% to 1,800 calories. Do that for a week or two and see how your results vary there. So measure yourself um, as well as doing your scales. And if you're still not losing fat, then what I would do is track your calories and then gradually decrease them until you see results. Right, final question. And I reckon it's a good one that a lot of people struggle with. I really struggle at the start of a ride. How do I improve this? The answer is everybody does everybody struggles at the beginning of a ride everybody <laughs> even pro athletes you start off riding your muscle you, you might have driven for an hour to get to the trail you might have been sat on the sofa watching some riding videos you've probably been doing inactive things before you set off on your ride and suddenly you're expecting your body to go from doing nothing to a really high exertion sport like it, it isn't gonna happen you need to let your body build up gradually and you need to allow yourself to ease into it so what you just need to do is just give yourself a little bit of time and just allow yourself to build up for the first couple of miles so what i tend to do is rather than starting a climb with a really rather than starting a ride with a really steep climb i'll park my car a mile or two away from the trail and then I'll ease into it by just riding along a flat piece of trail and then hitting the hill or if I'm riding from home I'll go steady for the first kind of 20 minutes and then gradually build it up you just need to give yourself time to warm up it's unreasonable to accept yourself to expect yourself to feel an absolute peak performance right from the beginning you just need to build up and you need to ease into it and get yourself going um, and that's why everybody struggles at the beginning of the ride. You're totally normal. You just need to plan it and ease into it and get warmed up. Like that second and third ride, higher climb is never as bad as the first one just because your body's ready for it. So there you have it. There's the final question. 12 questions nailed there. I hope you've really enjoyed the episode. I promise I will do my utmost to stay consistent with them now and get an episode to you every week. I'll probably do another Q&A episode, I reckon, next week. So I've really enjoyed this and then we'll get some more guests on. And um, if you've already got the 12-week program, look out for an email over the next week or two, which will have your new download on there. So you get access to the new videos. And if you've been contemplating getting on the 12-week program, now is a great time to do it because it's cost me quite a bit of money to get these videos filmed and edited loads of time to do and you're going to get those free of charge they're a, they're a free upgrade to the program the price isn't going to change so if you're thinking of getting on the 12-week program now is the time to do it thank you so much for listening i've really really enjoyed it and i will see you next time for another episode of the mtb fitness podcast <laughs>